Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're into extra time. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Clay Wilson. The second Bledisloe Cup test is almost upon us and after last week's drawn opener in Wellington, there's plenty to play for and plenty of pressure on the All Blacks to maintain their colossal Eden Park record. Can Dave Rennie's Wallabies pull off one of the upsets of all time and snap a 34-year losing streak at the ground? Or will Ian Foster's side continue the trend of following a poor performance against Australia with a resounding victory? Shortly we're going to dive into all the main talking points and joining me to do that we have Stuff Sports reporter Rob Van Royen, Wellington Pride player Alice Soper and Joe Porter, our resident rugby reporter here at RNZ. Before we do though, let's quickly look at some news just through with South Africa's withdrawal from the rugby championship all but confirmed. The Springboks have cited player welfare and the need for government approval as sticking points in taking part in the competition. The South Africans' withdrawal means the other three teams will share a bye each week of the tournament. Now, Joe, this obviously hasn't come as a huge surprise, but what are the major ramifications, especially from a New Zealand perspective? Well, I guess they get a whole lot less rugby in this rugby championship tournament now, which, you know, the players might not necessarily be that bummed about, but they don't get to take on the world champions, so I guess they don't get to, um, you know, have a crack at, at, at the team that won the last year's World Cup. And, of course, the financial ramifications will no doubt hit New Zealand rugby. They've already had to take somewhat of a hit by uh, with Australia agreeing to move that last Bledisloe gut Cup game forward to October 31st rather than December 12th to allow for them to originally get back uh, and home in time to not be in quarantine for Christmas. So on top of that now, you're going to have a lot less revenue brought in in total for the Rugby Championship tournament. South Africa generally bring quite a large amount of broadcast revenue in with their connections. So I'm not sure exactly how much of a financial hit the tournament will take because of it, but it will certainly be significant. Um, And yeah, the All Blacks obviously get less of a piece of the pie. Rob, what's your reaction to this? Obviously, like I say, not a huge surprise, but um, how serious do you think this is for New Zealand, especially up forward beyond this year? Yeah, I mean, Joe's actually nailed it, and the financial ramifications are big. Um, I mean, it also takes, you know, there's a big asterisk next to the rugby championship this, this year now, isn't there? I mean, whoever wins it, I mean, it's, yeah, as I say, there's an asterisk. You're missing South Africa. There was talk of, uh, earlier this week, of a, they were searching potentially for a Barbarians team to make up uh, the fourth team if South Africa did pull out. Obviously, we'll hear a bit more than that. Uh, probably not going to happen. Ian Foster, if he was going to take another 11 over, maybe perhaps he might need to take over 45 now with a shortened schedule. Um, but, I mean, financially, it's, it's definitely the big one. Alice, uh, Rob touched on there about how much interest there might be. I mean, does not having the Springboks there, does it diminish your interest in, in this tournament by much? 
I wasn't that interested to begin with, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why we needed to ship heaven and earth to get a couple of uh, kind of games in where it really didn't matter. I think we, we only need a couple and we're already into Christmas. I think people are starting to think about that. And I don't know if it's necessarily what was necessary. Um, and t- I understand probably in terms of revenue lines, it, it was. Uh, but now it's turning into something that's not going to bring in the money it needed either. So I think it goes to show how tenuous these income streams are uh, for basically how the game is structured to try and be making all its money off these type play games that really uh, doesn't take much to upset the apple cart and for it all to come falling over. Mm. Well, I'm sure there'll be lots to keep an eye on this over the coming days, but the focus probably over the next next couple of days at least will be this Bledisloe Cup second test, and it's been so much written and said since that dramatic drawn first test last weekend. One thing that's really stood out is the All Blacks' complaints about these so-called off-the-ball tactics from the Wallabies and the lack of punishment they received from, from the referee. Um, Rob, I'll come to you. What do you make of the fact that, first of all, John Plumtree opted to come out and, and do this, and does he have a point here? Firstly, he's definitely got a point. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it was... It was filthy tactics, but it was definitely on the edge. It was, there were late shots, particularly on um, Moana. There were also some clean-outs, um, which we're seeing a lot of in rugby anyway these days, um, at the rucks, which were borderline illegal. Um, and, and good on Plum Tree for, for getting it out there in the public. And, and, and you know for sure that they'll definitely be having a word to Angus Gardner and his, um, his ARs this week ahead of the test privately as well, just to, to keep an eye on it, absolutely. Joe, was it just a case, maybe, you know, some people were saying that the All Blacks were just out-muscled there at the ruck, that um, Dave Rennie perhaps got one up on them there? Uh, I mean, there's certainly an element of the ref- uh, sorry, the All Blacks, I guess, looking to the referee to help them out in situations where they thought some of those off-the-ball tactics were very much on the edge of legality. Uh, however, they were all admittedly disappointed in the fact that they didn't respond when they realised, or should have realised, the referee wasn't going to be pulling up you know, the late shots on Moanga. The ARs were going to be letting things slide around the ruck quite um, blatantly. I mean, look at the end of that last nine minutes. There's probably about five penalties in there to the Wallabies, or the All Blacks that could have gone and they let go. So... They had to adjust to the way the referee was officiating the game, and the All Blacks didn't. They should have gotten the Wallabies' face, found some of their inner mongrel, and, and just met them on the edge of legality, but they didn't. And so they'll be disappointed within themselves that they let that happen, but also disappointed in the Wallabies' tactics. But the thing is, this week, the referee will be more aware of it. John Plumtree's put it out there, so that heightened pressure goes on. They'll have a chat to the referees too, like Rob's mentioned, to put extra pressure on them to make sure the game is cleaned up a little bit in that area. But you'd imagine there'd be some pretty fired up All Blacks forwards that'll come out this week and won't want to take a backward step. Because in, in some aspects, they did get bullied last weekend. Alice, you play in the forwards. I'm sure you're very interested in this. What did you make of, what did you make of all this and how the All Blacks fronted up or didn't front up and what role the referee played? Well, there's a couple of cliches that come to my mind, which is, you know, play to the ref. Like, it's not a surprise. If you're playing that first 20 minutes, you're figuring out what they're going to call, what they're not going to call. You've got to adjust. And so then to play 80 minutes and complain about the result, I don't know, I feel like that's on you to make the adjustments, but also on your captain to be doing the referee management. That's part of their role as well. And then outside of that, well, I always think you've got to score at least one more try to uh, insulate yourself from poor risk decisions because there's always going to be something. Uh, people are human. They're going to miss something. So you've got to have that up your sleeve and, and, and do more <laughs> to protect yourself from decision-making because at the end of the day, if you're blaming the ref, you've only really got to blame yourself because you haven't done enough on the park to push it over. And I think that was a thing. I've, I've seen people complaining about Rico dropping it. I've seen people complaining about the referees. And it just feels like, oh, that's about, can we not just be excited about the fact that the Trans-Tasman rivalry is back and that Australia's got a bit more niggle again? I used to love watching that when I was a kid, so I'm stoked to see it again. 
Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, what about from a selection perspective here? Um, as we speak now, we don't know what they're going to do, but you know, question marks around Sam Whitelock. Scott Barrett is back in there, and he's someone who's got experience and does have a bit of mongrel. Dane Cole sitting there as well. We didn't start last week. He's renowned for you know being able to bring that type of style. Um, Joe, what, what would you what would you think needs to happen here in terms of perhaps selection? I am not sure exactly. The interesting part here is the unknowns around the injuries. Rob might have some good oil that we'll get out of him soon. I'm not sure. But um, is Richie Mwanga under a cloud? Is Bowden Barrett under a cloud? What does that mean for the way they select the team? Um, is Sam Whitelock available this weekend or will that concussion keep him out? Because they're pretty raw around the edges with Locke. Of course, they've got um, Patrick Tupulotu and... Uh, you know, and Sam Whitelock typically is your starting locks, but after behind behind them they've got uh, Tupul Vai, who was you know okay in his debut, but did look like he got away with a few illegal plays. And of course, who else? Quentin Strange has been replaced by Mitch Dunshay, is that right? So look, they've got some pretty green locks uh, on the backup bench there. So do they throw Scott Barrett back in the mix? Apparently, he is available for selection this week. I mean, it would seem a rush job if he was, rather than going back through Mitre Ten Cup, but. You never know. Do they need the mongrel? Do they need his experience with a few guys potentially missing? Rob, what, what do you make of Sam Whitelock? Do you think he'll play? And, and what, what do you know of the situation around Bowden and Richie and, and perhaps, I guess, Geordie playing fullback this week? What are your thoughts? Caleb Clark, you'd assume, comes onto the wing with George Bridge out? Yeah, absolutely. On Caleb Clark. Um, potentially, I would be surprised, even before Bridge got dinged up, they, um, they might have gone with Caleb Clark anyway, just for a bit more size and explosiveness. Um in terms of Richie Mwanga, from what I'm hearing, he, he's fine. It's, and the reason Mwanga really came in was to cover that R. Kelly's. I mean, the All Blacks are on record this week saying that Bowden Barrett, potentially, even if he plays this week, he's going to need some time off down the line to get this R. Kelly's tendon mm-hmm. um, fully fit. I mean, they are that niggly injury. So, you know, they might not rush him back. And, and personally, I, mean, I, I think they really need to play, stop playing guys out of position, play Geordie Barrett at fullback. Richie Mawanga at 10, and if, and if Bowden's going to play, if they're going to play him, just put him on the bench and he can come on and, and do what he used to do, provide that impact, especially with that, uh, that uh, Kelly's in terms of Sam Wallop, you know, that's, you know that's, they, take, they don't take these head, head issues lightly, so you know, he might sit. Um, personally, I'd like to see Patrick. We was Patrick Toy Pelosi last week. You know, I mm, wouldn't mm. blame anyone for wondering if he didn't even play. I mean, he, he this is a guy that, you know, carted the ball forward over the advanced line, all super rugby. He flattened anyone who ran at him and, and didn't even notice him last week. He was nowhere to be seen. He's someone that needs to step up and provide some mongrel and, and some real uh, up front and really get over that advantage line. Because the All Blacks, they need to start playing more rugby. They can't uh, keep relying. We know how dangerous they are on the counter and and of set-piece strikes. But they just, I mean, apart from a, maybe two or three times in that game, they never strung more than five phases together. And that's become the way they've played. Like, they live off scraps and they're going to have to start holding the ball, they can't tackle, tackle, tackle. That, that's Nothing tires a team out more than defending and defending, and the All Blacks are going to have to find a way to actually string some pull together. Alice, have you got any bold selection predictions? Would you like to see Geordie at fullback, Mwanga at 10? That kind of, if, that, if that is the case with Bowden's Achilles, it kind of makes the selection relatively straightforward, you would think. How do you, how do you see it, Alice? I mean, that's probably what they're going to go for. I wouldn't imagine there's going to be a huge amount of change. I think they'll probably just put the rocket up people. And I think ultimately you see this happen with the All Blacks. They'll drop one and then they'll come back hissing. So I don't know if you necessarily need to make a range of changes to get that. I think it's probably more about continuity and, and having some game time together. It's been a long time. You now you can train, you can play south and north and what have you, but it's been a long time since they've had a head out together. And I think, to be honest with you, they've probably just underestimated what the Aussies were going to bring. Um, and, and that's 
a lot more mongrel. And you know, is that any surprise if you're under Dave Rennie? I think not. So I think they'll they'll go back, they'll look at the tapes, they'll make the tactical uh, you know adjustments that they need to. But I don't know if they'll necessarily make the personnel ones as well. Although if they did, Peter Umang at Jensen, bring him in. I have to say that being from Wainui or Mata, I have to say bring the Wainui boy in. He'd be happy. Or otherwise, Lamate. Why don't we pick him anymore? Because, man, that guy was hungry and all that niggle during the whole Super Rugby, and he has a point to prove, so put him on there. Well, you're not wrong with uh, Peter Umaga Jensen. They do like him at the All Blacks for some of the... He's run some pretty interesting lines this year that make him a, a nice pick. Like one, one of the, the future is sure. going to be groomed yeah, to yeah, be, yeah. In, be in that slot, isn't and he? As far as Nani's concerned, he's not quite ready to play yet, I believe, so they're hoping he'd be ready for the rugby championship with that broken arm. But yeah, he'll be a lock, you'd imagine. Um, Rob, what do you make of um, you know 34 years, the Wallabies' last win at Eden Park, the Eden Park Fortress, the sort of uh, similarities or parallels to last year with the Wallabies putting on a decent show in Perth and winning that one, but then coming back and getting spanked in the return test. Do you expect to see something like that, a big All Blacks sort of bounce back or do you think it could be a lot closer with maybe the Wallabies having a new sort of sense of self-belief under Dave Rennie and not a lot to lose? I think we'll see a bounce back. I don't think it'll be a 36 zip um, bounce back like we saw last year, potentially more like a 34, 20 or a 30 to 20, more 10 to 15 point buffer. Um, you know, People are saying, oh, it's great to see the uh, the rivalries back and, and, and that, but to be fair, I mean, yeah, this, this is a this probably a under checker. I mean, they flogged the All Blacks last year in Perth. So, I mean, it was it was a sixteen all draw last week. The All Blacks played terribly uh, overall when they still drew the game. So, don't think we need to get too carried away. Um, I mean, it was good to see some of that niggle. I guess the the re factor. That's I mean, that's what the Chiefs when he was under the Chiefs. Uh, um, where the Chiefs give her on side. I mean, that's sort of that's the way. <laughs> Well, I, I think the other thing is, is people tend to forget, and it's a stat that I didn't even know about, and we spotted uh, this week, Joe, is that actually Robbie Deans and Michael Checker, they both won their first test against the All Blacks as Wallabies coach. So, yes, so it's actually, right. you know, you know, you can read too much perhaps into yeah. the Dave Rennie factor. As Kiwis, we know what he is, and you know, mm-hmm. we take a lot of notice of it. Perhaps after one test, we should just be giving it a bit more time to see exactly what's going yeah, to happen across look, these next three tests. And the All Blacks are often rusty when they play those June or July tests when they first start. You know, the Wallabies are probably a little bit of a diff- more difficult proposition first up than say, you know, Wales or Scotland might be at that time of year. So, you know, yeah, they they are they do start a little bit rusty. I'm, I agree with Rob. I think we'll see a bounce back of around 13, 15 points this weekend. Um, uh, yeah, all sort of things point to that. But, you know, we never know. Like you say, it's good to see a bit of niggle under Dave Rennie. Good to see a Wallabies team that are committed to the cause and sort of look like they're going to leave it all out on the field regardless of what happens. You know, lacking a few technical proficiencies in some areas. And, you know, they still give away a few, a few penalties playing the way they do. But, you know, you never know. But, yeah, I, I think Rob's right. I think you're on the money there in terms of what's going to happen on Sunday afternoon at Eden Park. All that said... If the All Blacks do lose, we know how the nation can react, and sometimes the media. Alice, I might come to you. What do you think an All Blacks loss means? Trying to look ahead, what does it mean for Ian Foster? What does it mean for this this team? Do you think there will be a a big reaction, or or does it have any significance, really, if the All Blacks do lose this test, with remembering there's still two tests to come after this in Australia? Yeah, I guess it's a tricky one for Foster, right? Because I think a lot of people weren't necessarily that excited by his appointment to begin. And so this kind of starts to play into a narrative, which is out there that people aren't, yeah, maybe the most um, passionate about him as a coach. And so the the thing he had to kind of offer was like steady hands. And so if steady hands are dropping balls, well, then you kind of start questioning if that's the right person. So, I mean, I think that that's going to be a lot of pressure on him to, to steady that ship and, and, and deliver. Because now, unfortunately, we have this 
ridiculous expectations that the All Blacks will win and win forever and ever and ever, uh, which is just not real life. And also, it's bloody boring to watch. So I'm more than happy to have other teams come up and, and give us more of a threat. But I don't know if we're ready to lose again. I just remember, you know, all the ways that we could not handle that uh, like I say, when I was a kid, and so I'm looking forward to reading all the column inches that are going to say the same things about how we're emasculated as humans and cannot continue to live um, should the All Blacks lose. I mean, for goodness sake, uh, let's just be excited that there's some competition um, and we don't know what a result might be. Yeah, and no, I tend to agree. Just finally on this, Rob, I imagine if there is a loss for the All Blacks this week, the reaction would be perhaps strongest in terms of the Ian Foster situation down in your neck of the woods. <laughs> Potentially, potentially. I mean, look, there's, well, there's, there's Razor fans everywhere, isn't there? Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it, I wouldn't be too stressed out about it if, if I was people. I mean, I, everyone's saying, well, Razor was probably last week sitting there rubbing his hands together when, uh, when, when the All Blacks drew and they're struggling under Foster in that first test. But I, I highly doubt it. Um, yeah, leave it at that. Yeah, moving on, let's also take a look at what's going on in the women's game. And while there might not be any Black Ferns tests this year, two of the country's best provincial teams will square off in the curtain raiser to Sunday's second Bledisloe Cup test. Waikato lead the North Pool in the re- revamped Farah Palmer Cup, and they'll put their perfect 5 from 5 record on the line in a final round clash against their nearest challengers, Auckland. Now, this is a match with plenty on the line. Now, Alice, can you sort of run us through what's going on here? Because obviously, the two top teams in the North Pool and actually a lot to play for for both going into this game. Absolutely. So basically, Waikato have locked in their place in the playoffs. So this year, we've got the top two from the north and the south that'll be going through to the playoffs. So Waikato, they're through whether they drop this one or not. But whereas uh, Auckland, they're playing to stay alive. Because the interesting thing is, you know, they've had wins, but they've had a couple of scrappy ones, which means that the likes of the Northland Cody and the counties Manukau, they're still in uh, the mix. So if Auckland drop it, they could be leapfrogging them and getting into that position. Uh, Auckland, no, they're a very experienced side. I mean, they were the team that won for about 15 years in a row or something ridiculous like that. Uh, so there's a lot of experience. They know how to win. Um, but Waikato, to be honest with you, I'm tipping them to take the championship this year. Uh, they just are the most complete side that I've seen. They've got their strength across the board. Um, their forward pack is starting to hiss. Set piece has been a bit of an issue for Auckland. I've seen them, uh, you know, they've got a lot of experience, but they don't seem to be putting that into effect. We've seen some pretty dodgy hands. I also probably back the Waikato conditioning over uh, the storm as well. So going to be a good game, but I'd pick um, Waikato to be up and probably be up by at least a try. And what about getting this as a curtain raiser to the test match? I mean, obviously great for these teams and hopefully um, get a few fans coming in early to, to watch this game and see what some of our top women's players have got to offer. Yeah, well, look, I'd hope so. And look, this is the thing, it's kind of a bit of a full circle moment because it was actually supposed to be, uh, I think, this match that was supposed to be playing um, as the curtain raiser for the North and South. Uh, but all the uh, things that ended up jigging and rejigging for our competition and everybody's competition with COVID um, meant that this, uh, things were changed around and delayed. So it's good that we have got, um, you know, a uh, women's match as, as part of, you know, one of our marquee games and, and looking to build that there. I still don't know if I'm, cons- um, I'm completely sold on the concept of curtain raisers as being the way to grow audiences. I think we've seen overseas um, different approaches being taken to promote the women's game, where instead what they do is they take it to provinces and areas that don't usually get matches and people are more excited to go out for a game of rugby. Um, I think it's a long day and a big ask, and a really big ask to be asking um, a couple of those uh, provincial girls' uh, partners and mums to be shelling out big bucks to go and watch them. I hope they get a couple of comps um, to get in there, because that's going to be a big ask, I think. So, 
So, yeah, look, I, I, it's always good to get to fight on the main grounds, and it's fantastic to have it televised. That's the part that I'm always keen on, um, and good to have a good match that's going to be on TV as well. We've seen it, unfortunately, again, with the scheduling a bit this year. Sometimes we've got a couple of the yeah, premierships uh, versus yeah. former championships, and then you've mm-hmm. got blowout scores. So it's not really the best um, demonstration and, and you know, celebration of what we have to offer. What about the South Pole, Alice? There's a few games this weekend. A few teams still in the mix to what top top three there is all vying for places, and yeah. so that's a, a tight one too. I mean, we can say that, but I, I would say <laughs> it's odd. Like, and this is me speaking as a Wellington player. <laughs> yes, um, but, um, I'm, I'm a Wellington player who's in Gisborne this weekend, uh, working on an election campaign because. Yeah, that game against Otago. Look, if we if we pick that up, we stay as an option, but we have to see Manawatu lose tonight. Um, yes. So we'll know by Sunday whether it's um, whether it's game on or not. And the chances of uh, Manawatu dropping a game against um, uh, Hawks Bay pretty low, to be honest with you. Canterbury, they've gone straight through. I think, yeah. um, to be honest with you, the Southern Pool. Uh, it's going to be hard for us, I think, when we come up and play the North because they've had some really tight and competitive games, whereas mm. it's been more blowouts in the South. We knew that was going to be the case because there just wasn't the same um, balance there yes. uh, between those kind of top premiership sides um, and the rejigs. So I don't know if we're necessarily as um, battle-ready as the North is to try and take it out. I mean, you've got to look at that Canterbury side, Rob. I mean, they've just rolled through. They've won the last, what, 17 games in a row, I think I saw they've, they've won. So um, you have to think they're feeling pretty good about their chances, even though they've they've had some pretty easy wins. Yeah, absolutely. They're looking for, the, you know, they're on the hunt for four straight titles. And, and, and Alice did right. The, the stat, there has been a lot more blowouts. And to be fair, they, well, they play Tasman tomorrow here in Christchurch and Tasman's points differential is uh, minus 250 Canterbury's is plus 200 it's you know it's going to be a blowout again um, oh, and it's not, it doesn't, doesn't really bode well for the for, for the, you know, she's right when they're going to play these north sides and well, I think we're destined for a Waikato uh, Canterbury final uh, I've seen a few of Canterbury's games and they're, they're a well-oiled machine but yeah they're not going to be battle hardened they've got um, the likes of Liv McGovern Martha Lola here have been outstanding and obviously Kendra Coxie, Jamal, the other week, Kendra and Liv McGovern were both coming over uh, conversions from the sideline, which I wouldn't um, I wouldn't even put money on Bowden Barrett to nail so I'm I love it. Well, just looking at that, just to finish, Alice, um, Rob touched on there a potential Waikato-Canterbury final. I mean, what does that hold in store for us when you look at those two teams? Oh, it's going to be brilliant. I think you've also two got the two best uh, condition packs as well um, mm-hmm. running out there, and that's that's the thing as well with the shortened season, with the shortened lead time. Uh, it's it's been watching teams like Northland who you can see getting fitter and fitter each week. And man, I wish the competition was longer because they're my favourite team to watch. They're absolutely outrageous. The running lines from their prop Murray, fantastic. But you asked me about Waikato and um, Canterbury, and like I say, they're the fittest side, so they've got the best um, product to put on display. And so I think it will be a fantastic showcase of. Uh, women's rugby just what we have I think the interesting thing with both of them though is that you know everyone talked up a lot about the impact of these Blackburn Sevens girls being released into the um, packs and yes look that does uh, help in some respects but they're back so there's not a heck of a lot they can do when you're playing the 15s game and so you've seen that um, in terms of like Waikato it's only uh, Stacey Fulula that is um, in that mix for the um, they don't do the stuff that matters right 
Yeah, well, <laughs> they do the finishing, but it's all the hard yards up front that you've got to get in the position. So, yeah. you know, and the same with Canterbury. They haven't really, I don't think they have any um, of the sevens girls in their setup. So I think it goes to show that maybe that sevens influence was a little bit overhyped. Mm. You've got to have the set piece right, eh? It's the old cliches and all of that, earn the right, go wide, no, 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 You've got to have your systems in place. And so while they've done a massive thing, and I think what they have done is just highlighted if you invest in women, what women can achieve in terms of that um, athleticism. I mean, you saw uh, Woodman's absolute the riot that she ran over Taranaki last week, just putting on an absolute display of skill there. But it just goes to show that, yeah, without the forwards to uh, get that go forward, you know, you can have all the fancy finishes, but there's not much to finish off. No, some things don't change in rugby wherever you go. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time. My thanks to Stuff Sports reporter Rob Van Royen. Alice Soper of the Wellington Pride, and RNZ's Joe Porter. Extra Time is available every Friday from about 4pm. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, and of course at rnz.co.nz. Give us a rating if you would. That helps a whole lot and means other listeners can find us much more easily. I'm Clay Wilson. Mihi moi and I nay. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.